Welcome to episode 100 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycamore trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycamore.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm honored to be commemorating our 100th episode by featuring an outstanding guest, Marine Corps veteran and Assistant Secretary of the Department of Labor, the Honorable James D. Rodriguez. Mr. Rodriguez is the Assistant Secretary for Veterans Employment and Training Service. He is responsible for preparing America's veterans, service members, and their spouses for meaningful careers. Mr. Rodriguez is an executive leader and proud veteran with more than 30 years of experience in the U.S. government, corporate sector, and 21 years in the United States Marine Corps. You can find out more about Mr. Rodriguez by checking out his bio on our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So, Mr. Rodriguez, it's an honor to be able to share this time with you and highlight the work that the Department of Labor is doing to support service members, veterans, and their families. Before we get into that, however, I'd be grateful if you would share with the audience your background and why you're so passionate about employment and career support for the military-affiliated population. Wayne, well, I'm excited to be here. Any chance I get to talk about what we do at DOL Vets with respect to helping veterans, transition service members, and military spouses find meaningful employment, I jump at every opportunity because these conversations are important. They're often had in smaller circles or sometimes behind the scenes. And so we're aiming to really do is have these in a larger, broader perspective with corporate leaders, government leaders, anyone who really has the ability to hire the people that I just mentioned, because we know how important it is to the workforce of the future of having men and women who serve in uniform and military spouses as part of their teams. With that, uh, I spent 21 years on active duty, United States Marine Corps, served in the first Gulf War, 1990-1991, six years as a Marine Corps drone instructor, training recruits and officer candidates, recruit depot San Diego, officer candidates for Quantico, and a whole lot of other things in between that time. And then as part of Operation Enduring Freedom in my last deployment out of California, the second time, Fourth Marines. Then retired from Wounded War Battalion West there in California at the Balboa Naval Medical Center, where I was fortunate enough to build out a Wounded Warrior program to help support Wounded Other Injured Service members. 99% of them were combat injured Purple Heart recipients and Navy corpsmen. And so we were looking for ways to really help them transition because at the time, there was really no transition programs in place. They were just in their infancy stage, 2008, 2009. And so we worked with the local community leaders in San Diego, corporate leaders, government leaders, and within the military itself, and really looked at ways to help build out some transition programs for these wounded under service members. And that was my first inclination that I knew how important it was to help my fellow service members when I retired. And so fortunately, I retired 2009 and went into a defensive aerospace company out here in Washington, D.C., and I worked for them for five and a half years where I led some programs that were designed to help bring in wounded and service members. And I was at one point director of military recruitment for a $32 billion company, 
and got into the government relations business as well, where I advocated for more programs to help corporations understand how to hire and retain service members when they were transitioning out of the military. And I became part of the White House Joint Forces Initiative in 2010, 11 timeframe, to really help the White House understand how to do this. And it just kind of snowballed from there. I stayed involved through nonprofit support as volunteers and then my subject matter expertise from a corporate standpoint on the, how to help other corporations build out better employment programs. And I became Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense through those efforts from 2014 to 2017, leading the Office of Warrior Care Policy. And then uh, that term ended. I went back to the corporate space, did a lot of uh, work as an executive leader in another $52 billion company. Uh, I supported the Department of Defense, Department of Veterans Affairs from a business development standpoint. And then I found myself back here in 2021 as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Department of Labor, Acting Assistant Secretary. And then I was finally confirmed by the Senate in May of this year to be the Assistant Secretary. And it's a job that initially I said I wasn't going to come back to government, but it's a job that I could not turn down because it gave me the opportunity to continue my support of, again, my fellow veterans and their families and military spouses. So here I am. I think that's there's a couple of different things with that story. One, continued service after the service. I think that's really important for a lot of veterans. And, and of course, I probably my first squad leader told me, be careful when you start to volunteer because then you're going to just get called on over and over. But I think one of the most interesting things about your background was, like me, you served pre-9-11 and post-9-11. So you likely saw what happened in the mid to late 90s in the drawdown, like I saw, in the differences post-Gulf War and the lack of resources, to be honest, in the mid-90s for those veterans, and then what that might look like to post-9-11 veterans getting out now. I sure did. And ironically, I just had lunch with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in 30 years, who I served in the Gulf War with. I had lunch with him on a Saturday, and he was up here for the holidays in Northern Virginia from South Carolina. And we were talking about this because he was asking me, what do I do? And, and I was asking him what he does, the usual stuff. And he hadn't seen somebody in a long time. And he goes, you know, I wish they had those resources when I got out back in 1991, 92 time frame, because at the time we had a stop loss. And so a lot of service members who were required to stay on active duty and were not able to transition out on a normal time frame, as soon as we got back from the Gulf War, they were pushed out and there was no resources to help them transition out of the military. They were just, here's your DD-214. Thank you for your service and goodbye. And fortunately, we've evolved over time. We still can always get better at our transition process, but uh, we've evolved uh, significantly from back in the 90s. And uh, I think one of the beauties of what I get to do here, part of the transition assistance program, is labor has a big stake in those courses that are provided to transition service members. The beauty of it is that it's required for all transitioning service members when they're getting out, also enlisted. And I really champion that because you don't know what you don't know. And so at least if we can give them that information in an adequate time frame within that one year block required by Congress, we can give them that information and help them make a more informed decision, the better position they're going to be. And our biggest challenge there is really getting them to those TAP classes in a time that allows them to really take that information, digest it, and then put it into action in preparation for that transition. So we still have work to do, but we've come a long way. 
And I think that transition can last up to years. My father was a Vietnam veteran, and arguably he was still transitioning out of the military like many of those older generation veterans. A lot of the listening audience are either connected to the military themselves or served like you and I did in some way. One common thing that is often recognized, we were just talking about, is that the transition out of services can be challenging. That's true, obviously, when it comes to medical care and where you're going to live, but it's especially true, and that's a particular concern when it comes with challenges with employment for transitioning service members. Yeah, to, to you, great point about your father. To me, as I've learned over the last 14 years of my retirement, is that transition is continuous. Right? You're constantly learning something new and you know, what's going to benefit you in your next career opportunity. Even if you have a job right now, maybe it's not the perfect fit for you. And then you have to reskill or upskill. And then you're now looking for the next opportunity for you. Maybe it's somewhere else you want to relocate because you're not excited about where you're currently living. But that's where you landed after you got out of the military. And so you can look at corporate opportunities or whatever employment opportunities exist in another place that might be more better for you when it comes to tax burdens, for example. Things that we don't talk about, we talk about the transition processes, you know, the importance of taxes that you are now going to be paying that you probably didn't have to pay for when you're active duty because you're exempt from them in the States. And so those types of things are important when you make your final decision to transition out. But we're talking about resources. The couple of things that I want to talk about that we do here at the Department of Labor, a lot of veterans are just now getting information about, and we're trying to do our best to really spread this information across the Department of Defense, across our veteran community, so that way we can point people to the right direction on what type of resources exist to support that transition. And one of them is the Skill Bridge Program that I know a lot of your listeners probably are familiar with, but it's a Department of Defense program that allows you to do an apprenticeship program while you're on active duty, active duty salary, you go work in a field that allows you to develop your skill sets. And then after that apprenticeship is complete, you're out of the military. We have a 98% higher rate right now for people who participate in skill bridge program. And I've visited some of these skill bridge locations, if you will, across the country. And I've seen them firsthand in action on skills that are being developed by these young men and women in, in some of these trades. For example, Veterans in Piping out of Camp Pendleton, a great organization that teaches men and women about the value of the skilled trades when it comes to working in the piping industry, sheet metal industry, those type of things. And they actually have training programs right there on Camp Pendleton and Joint Base Lewis before that allow them to do this work, get these skill sets, get their certifications and licensures in many cases, and they are hired way before they transition out. They're offered a job as soon as they step out of uniform, they go right into employment. So we know how valuable that skill bridge program is, first and foremost. And then now also, we have Employment Navigated Partnership Pilot that we've rolled out that is a supplement to the Transition Assistance Program where we have this right now only as select installations because it's still in the pilot stage, but it's across all the services and even overseas. And what that does, it allows us to really do a one-on-one counseling session with that individual service member. So we're supporting the TAP information, but now we're giving them the opportunity to learn more, help them develop some stronger resumes that allow them to transition that information into what corporate recruiters are looking for. On top of that, we have partners that are part of this pilot, one of them being, for example, Helmets of Hard Hats. And so if you're looking to go into the construction industry, we now automatically can make that warm handoff right into the helmets of hard hats. And so there's other industries that are partners and we're able to make those handoffs directly with those organizations, which also leads me to our American job centers. Most uh, young men and women who are separated from the military do not even know that American job centers exist. And these are workforce development programs that allow us to provide free resources 
to veterans who have significant barriers to employment. So when someone's transitioned out of military and they're moving from Compton, California to Jacksonville, Florida, for example, we can make sure that they know what resources exist in Jacksonville, Florida, because we have disabled veteran outreach program leads there. We have local veteran employment resource leads that can help bring them into Jacksonville, let them know what resources are available for them specifically, what companies are there to help them find employment opportunities that are conducive to what they're looking for. So those resources have panned out extremely well for us as the pilot stage continues to evolve. And then one of the other things that you talked about that, and we spoke about is transition is continuous. If you're a veteran and you've been out for a while and you're looking for your next opportunity because maybe you're not getting paid well enough, you want to use your skill sets to find a better paying job. Well, now we have an off-base transition training program that's all veterans can use this. And it's a version of the active duty tap class. And there's various modules in there that you can use to really help you refine your skill set, right? Connect with employers who are looking to hire veterans and then really help you realign your resume to meet some of the requirements that maybe your current employer really has really helped develop, but now you want to use them in a different industry. We can take all of that information, build out your resume to make it stronger to get you prepared for that next employment opportunity. Then one of the other things I want to talk about briefly is what we have done for our military spouses. We have a program called Transition Employment Assistance for Military Spouses. And that is nine modules that are virtual, recorded. They can go in there and take this training that allows them to really be specific about developing their skill sets, building out their own narrative for employment, because we know how valuable it is to have military spouses employed as well. And there's a lot of other programs that I can talk about, but those are the main ones. But let me mention this. I said uh, those are the main ones, but at every state across the union, we have a state director, and in many of the states, we have an assistant state director that can really help the transition of service members to their states when they're coming out of the military, or if they're already veterans in that state, they can provide state resources and information about what we have from a labor standpoint to help with that employment piece of that. Then we have six regional veteran employment coordinators across the entire country. Our RVECs, as we call them, are broken down into regions. The United States is broken down into regions to include Hawaii and the Virgin Islands. And they are the touch points and connectors to corporations in their regions. So if you are looking to get out and you're looking to get into a specific type of company or industry, our VEX have those connections and they can directly work with an individual with those companies and make that connection. We have about 2,800 personnel across the country that really help do everything that I just mentioned. And in FY 2022, 443,000 443,000 veterans, service members, military spouses for TouchWire program alone. And so all of these programs, in a nutshell, exist to support that transitioning service member and or veteran and military spouse. I think that's amazing. And really, not just the amount, but also the comprehensiveness of it. You know, working with service members who are still in the DOD through the TAPS program, through the SkillBridge program, transitioning them into their post military life, but also being in their communities. I've got colleagues here in my community who are DVOPs at our local workforce center. Really, there's that idea, and perhaps it was maybe a little earlier in the teens of what was it? The first career post military lasted 12 to 18 months. I was one of those statistics, right? If I got the first job that came along just because I needed to put food on the table, but it wasn't the right fit for me, and I hopped to another job immediately. I think the SkillBridge program taps the support that you have in communities to help the veteran find the right fit sooner will reduce a lot of that early career turnover. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen this both from a government standpoint and a corporate standpoint, is that there's some research that shows that 
the veteran within their first year will leave their first three jobs. And, and that's not uncommon. The reason being, because your point exactly, Dwayne, is that you find yourself in a position where you do have to have some kind of economic stability when you make that transition out, especially if you have a family. And so you're looking to what is going to allow you to do that immediately. And sometimes, depending on where you relocate to, that might not be the right industry that you're going to be in. And so you have to really figure out what resources can help you get into that industry. But also, how can you really develop a narrative that really helps define your skill sets when you're trying to really talk to employers about what value you bring to the employers? So there's two parts of that equation, right? It's how do we educate the individual? And how do we educate the employer? So that way, there can be a conversation about where is the right fit for that veteran and the right fit for the company. One of the biggest things that I consistently speak about is underemployment of our veterans, because oftentimes they are transitioning out of military, they're going into jobs that, that is the right fit for them right then and there, but not necessarily for long term. And so they come in at specific levels because that's what they found. And oftentimes they leave, as I mentioned, because they are not in the right type of role that is befitting of what their experience and background are. And so we want to make sure that companies understand how to bring veterans into that mid-management level or senior leader level based off of their experiences. And we're constantly advocating for that. But at the same time, we have to educate veterans how to be advocates for themselves when they're looking for the right role to transition into when they get out of the military. And I think that education piece, it's, it may be ironic that you talk about education, but it's helping the veterans learn more about what they're doing. But one experience that I've seen with a lot of veterans, young or old, especially recent veterans, they leave the service and they don't go into the workforce. They jump immediately into college. It's paid for, includes stipends, housing allowance, and it's an easy answer to sort of put the pause button so you don't have to figure out immediately what's next. But college isn't for everybody. And I've seen veterans who don't have that educational goal really flounder in that. Your perspective is that college isn't the only post-military option. You've talked about some of the skilled trades. The, giving the opportunities for veterans to participate in apprenticeships is a good way to answer that what next question. Yeah, it's a great opportunity, especially right now where you have the White House, you have labor, you have so many industries right now looking at how we can develop the apprenticeship programs even more than what they've been developed in the past. Understand the value that veterans really bring to an apprenticeship program, but also the value that they get out of an apprenticeship program. And so the beauty of it is you earn while you learn. And so while they're in an apprenticeship program, regardless of what trade they are in, they're getting paid. On top of that, they're developing skill sets that are going to allow them to have transferability of those skills into whatever industry that they are going to eventually wind up in. And then on top of that, they have the opportunity to join unions in many of these cases where they get into specific trades they are represented by unions. One of the things we know about unions is that they have a similar culture to the military, where they bring people in, right? They bring people into that culture, they develop them, they train them, they give them a pathway to future success. And on top of that, they have amazing benefits. On average, a veteran that goes through a union program, after they complete that union training program, they're making anywhere from 73,000 to 77,000 as soon as they finish that training. Someone that completes a four-year degree, on average, 66 to $68,000 a year. And so you look at the differences there of skill sets required to get into both of those two areas, right? You take your military skill set, of course, you can apply that to a college degree, but you can really apply it to an apprenticeship program because a lot of it requires multitasking, management, leadership, all those types of things that you have to have to be successful long-term as part of a trade association, if you will, or a job and trade. 
And there's numerous industries that have really embraced it. I've been speaking at various conferences around clean energy, the future of the country, the future of the green movement, if you will, going electric batteries, wind, solar, those type of things, getting more veterans into that because that is the future of work, as well as cybersecurity and IT. I spoke at a conference here not too long ago about building out apprenticeship programs for cyber. And one of the things that I mentioned to the audience, and a lot of them were people who've been doing cyber for years, but not necessarily understanding what value a veteran who has cyber skills from the military bring. And I was telling them, I said, you have 19, 20-year-old kids in charge of national security because they're working on cyber programs to prevent cyber attacks on our national security and our infrastructure when it comes to DOD. And of course, when they get out of the military, they're getting tremendous amounts of training. The government invests hundreds of thousands of dollars in every man or woman in the military throughout their professional career, whether it's four years or 20 years, 30 years, they take all that training, license certification, and then now they can take that and trade it into what is required for that civilian workforce. And so we are really trying to get people to understand the value of military service, the investment that the taxpayer makes in our men and women who serve, and how it is a return on investment for that taxpayer by them getting employed in those specific industries. Uh, I'll give you a quick story. We're doing some work on the 90-day trucker challenge or with the White House, Department of Labor, Department of Transportation. We were doing this whole trucking transportation challenge where we were looking at how can we really take all of our resources to get more veteran military spouses into the trucking industry? Because if you recall, we were having a trucking challenge, and we still are, right? We're getting people with licenses to do commercial driver's licenses. And uh, I was speaking to a Marine who deployed with me in 2008, combat wounded. He was in college had a family, was in college in Texas, and had been there for a year plus, and we realized this is harder than I thought to maintain my economic stability for my household. And uh, he was driving to class one day, and he saw a billboard, and it was from the company that, that was hiring veterans to be CBL. And they were going to bring him in to an apprenticeship program and train them. Within four years of him joining that company, after he saw that billboard, and this is his story, after he saw that billboard, he called them up, got hired, a part of the apprenticeship program. Within four years, He's leading their veterans outreach program. He's got an award from the National Safety Board for being a team captain and is now an advocate on safety for truckers across the country. He goes around the country and speaks about that. And he brings veterans within his company together all the time because, again, we talked about the culture. The culture of veterans helping veterans in that corporation has really evolved. And so there are numerous pathways for our veterans to be successful without a four-year college degree. We want them to do that if that's what they choose, but we also want them to know that there's an alternative through apprenticeship programs if they chose to go that route. I think that's what's really important is how you're trying to spread the word, because if he would have taken another route to work that day, he might not have seen that billboard, right? You know, it, 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 trying not to make it so that somebody happens to stumble upon the information and really spreading the information is you don't have to have been in the skilled trades in the military. You know, there's those occupational specialties in the military, but just because you're an infantryman or a food service worker or you're a motor transport operator, for example, doesn't mean that you can't be a plumber or a master electrician or a glazer or something like that. That's a great example that you just outlined is that if you look at the future of, for example, and I've been having conversations with numerous people in various trades, you look at the future of trades that the workforce that's aging is not being filled fast enough. Replacements are not coming into those trades fast enough. And so we need to take people from all kinds of backgrounds and, and experience and MOSs that you highlighted there and get them trained on how to really be part of the solution, if you will. How do we replace those people? And then part of that replacement is 
education, training, professional development. And that's what our service members are used to. One of the things I always talk to uh, veterans about is that when you look for your next opportunity after the military, look for where the professional development program really stands when it comes to what's going to be best for you as an individual. Because when you go from that E1, you know what you have to do to become an E5 throughout that process, right? Or an O1 to become an O5. All the professional development funds you have to hit. That should be the same type of mentality you have when you go to the corporate space. What is going to get me from being a business analyst to a vice president? There's things I have to do along that career path. Same thing in the trade. What's going to get me to be an apprentice to the journeyman process, eventually to be a team lead? How do I get all of those training requirements accomplished? How do I do this? Where do I do this? That will help me really understand how I can build out my career, regardless of what path that career is going to take me on in whatever trade it is. You know, I, I think that's definitely some great advice. And you're right. When you were of a certain rank, you knew that there was a way to to get to that next rank in the military. It doesn't always seem to be that way in post-military life, but it can be and it should be. Definitely, I am a huge fan of the work that Department of Labor is doing. If people wanted to find out more about some of these programs, if they wanted to perhaps engage in some of these initiatives, how can they do that? Yeah, there's the easiest way to do it is I tell everybody, if you go, you Google P-O-L, that's basically the Department of Labor Veteran Employment Training Services. If you Google that, that's going to take you to our website. And then from there, you can really see all the programs that we have. You can really look at what we've been doing through our social media. I encourage people to really follow us on social media because there's so much information that is constantly put out there and across our regions and across our national office about the programs we just talked about today, whether it's employment navigator programs, office transition training, teams, all that stuff is constantly out there. And to get updates is important in terms of making that transition out because you want as much information that you can get because there's so much of that information. But if you have a specific idea of what you're looking for, we can help you find it. And we actually just awarded last month 835 gold and platinum awards to corporations who are hiring veterans and as part of our Hire Vets Medallion program. And basically what it does, it awards these companies to meet certain criteria for hiring and retaining veterans. And then we take that information, put it on our webpage, and it allows us to have a link for somebody to come in and connect directly with that department that received this award. And regardless of what state you're looking at, they're in there. Regardless of what industry you're looking at, they're in there. So every year we highlight companies that are doing a lot to hire veterans and retain them. And they get awards based off of meeting certain criteria throughout the year. I think that's that's definitely amazing. And I'll make sure that all the links to those resources are in the show notes. Any last thoughts before we close today, sir? Dwayne, I appreciate this conversation. Thank you for your service. I didn't mention that at the beginning. I always like to do that because one of the things that you mentioned is there's a continuation of service for veterans. I think that's something that's not lost on us. I often talk to veterans and service members. Uh, about this, I said, when you guys are transitioning out of military, your first instinct is, I want to be as far away as possible. Then you quickly realize how much you miss of the culture, right? How much you miss the people that you serve with. And you should never let that go. And I think one of the things that you can do is be involved somehow, find out what that involvement is, whether it's volunteerism, whether it's being an advocate on a podcast, right? About the, uh, the things that we're doing to support them. Be part of the solution and let us know how we can be better on top of that. One of the things that uh, I really try to pride myself in is one is getting out to where the veterans are, Ms. Balthazar, and where our partners are. So I travel around the country extensively and meet with partners at the local level because that's where the work is getting done. As I like to say, from the main standpoint, that's where the grunt work gets done. And so I get so much information on what we can do better and how we are performing as well. 
when I get out at the local level. And so if there's things that we can do as an agency better, by all means, let us know. But at the same time, use the resources because they're there, they're provided by the federal government, they're provided by the taxpayer, and they're designed to be a benefit to help someone transition successfully because we know how important it is to have a successful transition out of the military after service. Absolutely. Appreciate that and appreciate your service and especially even your continued service. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Dwayne. And again, thanks for Psych Armor. I had a great visit when I was out there last year. And I know all the valuable work that you all do for our young men and women in service and for military spouses. And it's partners like you all that make our job a lot easier. Again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is a premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that is free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. You can see all that they offer at psycharmor.org. As I mentioned in the beginning, I was honored to be able to feature Assistant Secretary Rodriguez on the show. I'm always honored that our guests spend some time with us sharing their passion and enthusiasm for supporting the military-affiliated population. But for someone who is as busy as an assistant secretary of a federal agency to make time to share the work of their department is really special. It speaks to Mr. Rodriguez's passion, of course, but it also speaks to the respect he has for you, the listeners of this show, and the knowledge that your interest and passion for supporting those who served and those who care for him matches his own. So, of course, Mr. Rodriguez's work is really dedicated in supporting service members, veterans, and their families in employment, and through stable employment, their overall wellness and well-being. Being a veteran himself, Mr. Rodriguez recognizes that one of the challenges regarding job-seeking is that many veterans will find difficulty in balancing immediate needs with their long-term needs when it comes to employment. A job, especially for those who served in or are affiliated with the military, is more than just a paycheck or a means to support their families. For however long they were in the military, it was that, or sometimes just barely that. But it was meaningful. It gave them purpose and could even be enjoyable at times, if you're the type of person who enjoys things like standing outside in the rain for no reason. But really, the military provided service members an opportunity to serve their country, while yes, obtaining some benefits, but really in a way that was meaningful to them. When we get out of the military, however, we hopefully have the same experience, but not always. We take the first job that comes along, like I did, hoping that it would provide that meaning and purpose, but finding that it doesn't. That leads to that rapid turnover that Mr. Rodriguez mentioned, and a lack of satisfaction on the part of both the employer and the veteran or military spouse. It's great to hear that Mr. Rodriguez and his team across the country are not only helping employers hire veterans and their families and to help those individuals find jobs, but to help those who are seeking employment and those who are providing employment to ensure that it's the right job which is a win for everyone. The other point that I would like to make briefly is one that has been made before on the show. The military is an industry that is exclusively focused on national defense, on land, sea, in the air, along the coasts, and now in space. That's the mission, to protect our nation and our nation's interests from external threats. To do that, however, there's another thing that the military is, and that's a learning organization. For 22 years, I was constantly learning, and as I increased in rank, I was teaching, mentoring, and developing while I was simultaneously being taught, mentored, and developed. While the mission of defending the nation was what we did, learning was how we did it, and that makes veterans flexible and adaptable. When I think of some of the places that I found myself in the military, and I and those around me had to figure things out to accomplish the mission with the resources that we could find or ask for, 
It's mind-boggling. On my last deployment, we arrived at a location in North Africa with about six half-built buildings and was told, in 45 days, this needs to be a functioning multinational training camp that will house and support 500 soldiers from 10 countries. And we made it happen. That's the value that service members and their families bring to employers. Solution-seeking, resourceful, selfless individuals who can quickly look at a situation, grasp what needs to be done, understand what resources there are to do it, and make it happen. When we leave the military, we're no longer serving the nation, but the skills we develop to do that are transferable to whatever we do. We just have to have the opportunity to do that. Mr. Rodriguez and his nearly 3,000 colleagues across the country are there to support us in that, and I, for one, am grateful. So hopefully you appreciated my conversation with Mr. Rodriguez. Another quick mention, this is the 100th episode and the first episode of 2023. 100 is a nice round number and a big milestone. It means we've been doing a weekly podcast for a couple of years with a week off in July and December each year. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. We know that you're out there listening to us. We can see that the show is being downloaded. If we didn't, we wouldn't have stuck with it. So we appreciate you, the listeners, for continuing to join us. We would love to hear more from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We always appreciate hearing from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course using the National Labor Exchange to find veterans to hire. In this course, employers will learn how to utilize the National Labor Exchange to amplify their online recruiting strategy, gain access to special talent pipelines, and how to utilize other trusted partners to reach the maximum number of job seekers. you can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app, as well as on psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care. And it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track, outstanding guest coordinator, and support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share this show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.